All right, we're live. My hair is awful. Just as well, this is only voice for the moment, then, isn't it? Yeah. All right, uh, Craig can join. Now recording. It's the fastest that's worked. And we're back. Maybe this is voting well. Possibly voting well. Unexpectedly well voting. Mm, as opposed to foreboding. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's better than hind boding. Hind boding. Mm. Not to be confused with hind boning, which is a very different thing. What's hind boning? Well, you could took it. You could look at it from two different perspectives. From my, as far as I can see, either boning in terms of removing the bones from a chicken, although that would technically speaking be deboning, uh, or boning, or boning, which is the slang term, which is sex. sex. Yeah, there's that. Hindburning probably sounds like doggy style, I don't know. Hmm. Either that or, like, it's very uncomfortable missionary. <laughs> like, yeah, that still, would like, also you're still qualify. there. You're still, like, they're still there and you're still there. It's with your, but you're just, like, tucked up, you're, with your legs tucked underneath and sat up. Mm. Yeah, of, that yeah, ain't... like a sit-up and that's the oh, only gross. way you can enter them I wonder if that would actually be good for your that would definitely build core muscle it would <laughs> and probably burn like hell mm. burn would be the right word anyway you gotta feel the burn apparently you burn like a 200 calories during sex and I'm like how the hell are you supposed to have a 3 minute workout <laughs> Fabio Collet, everybody. There's a reason why I call this motherfucker my ginger twin. I mean, like, to be fair, I'm just trying to th three minutes. Hmm. That's impressive in its own right. Three minutes. That's not for the same reasons that most people would find it impressive. Yeah, I, mean, but impressive. I mean, the world record for a mile is like uh, four minutes. So, like, I'm beating him in something. This is the thing, you need to qualify your metrics in this case. In a lot of cases, that's the issue. It's all well and good saying that I'm in the top 20% of people to do this, but if there's only five people, then... Eh? Well, it's that is actually um, its own argument to be had. So a lot of people, they display metrics in the way where it's more presentationally pleasing. Hmm. And drugs com drug companies do this a lot. It's like we had ninety eight percent success rate, but then but you only like had ninety eight people. No, like you don't even have to have ninety eight people that time. Mm. A lot of the time, these drug companies they play around with statistics and play around with numbers in very fascinating ways. Where it's like, it's not ninety eight percent success of overall. It's of the people who were successful, 98 of them, 98% of them didn't show symptoms. Mm. So it's a subdomain of a subdomain. That said, they do, they don't lie about what the result actually denotes. They, they just allow people to, okay, they do, I, I'll, I'll admit that. But what I mean is that they don't, they let people get, mislead themselves, if that makes any sense. They don't really do a great deal to be clear about it no but 
it's mostly people's misconception about what the number actually represents that gives people the wrong impression. I guess is what I'm getting. I think is what I'm I getting mean, at. Is that not lying? It depends whether you look at it from the perspective of lying by omission or lying by half truth. So, uh, double. Say, hmm. lying by omission is a very is a fascinating possibility or a fascinating concept because by not telling somebody something, you're effectively lying to them because you're allowing them to be misled about the outcome of a situation, and yet. Yeah. You're not actually saying anything. So, and lying has to be a conscious effort, does it not? Hmm. Uh, absence of action would be abs active inaction. Hmm. Mm, I see what you mean. It is weird, though, the fact that hmm. people aren't actually that transparent in general. I mean, look at it from this perspective. If I were to say, I feel like I'm a very transparent person at the best of times, but that's mm. mostly because I don't really see an alternative. So I'll quite happily tell someone I don't like them. I'll avoid doing it until it becomes necessary, sure. But I, if I don't like someone, it's quite clear whether I intend it to be or not. Do you have Whereas somebody to tell else... me, Fabio? No, not you. <laughs> not most of the time, anyway. <laughs> but... yeah. Like, I guess it comes back to a story about one of my managers that I had when I was on placement. They had two months. You're in uh, placement to... in a tech company, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get myself a job afterwards. Not the same company, but that placement year helps tremendously. Uh, Anybody going into tech? Uh, they don't have a high enough staff turnover to actually have any spaces. That's the uh, bottom line. COVID. It's not the COVID, actually. It's just that nobody ever leaves the company once they stick, get there. It's that sort of company that looks after their employees. Like Hotel California. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm looking for something similar, but I've found a consultancy that hmm. I'm interested in. And they seem to like me, so one more interview, which is pair programming. I assume to see how they... I think I responded a team, and I guess from that point I'll know one way or another. I have to be able to work with people. Yeah, that's the biggest see how that goes. with every job. Yeah. I don't mind working with people, as long as they actually do work, as opposed to group projects at uni. Mm. I've been lucky, though, on that front. I've, I've usually had pretty decent hard-working people on my group projects. Mostly. Like, I'm not fussed if they're the best at what they do or if they're even able to code really well. All I ask is that they put in the work. Because that way you just make it everything easier. Yeah. There was uh, mm -hmm. this number which I've been like fascinated with recently. It's um... I just forget the name of it though. It's uh, It's a statistic that the square root of the number of people with no domain do 50% of the work. So if you have a uh, hundred people, 10 of your employees do half of the work. Hmm. hmm. And it works. That actually sounds plausible. It is. It's been found to be true the majority of the time. And it's like, 
what that means is like as a corporation scales the number of incompetence is exponential but the number of competence is linear which means there are a lot more useless people in a company than there are useful people in a given company Mm. and it's like the job of like good management to figure out who these people are and being able to be disagreeable at times and kick their asses so to speak. Except that most companies don't do this because oftentimes the managers are fairly often, I'd say they're probably in the group of incompetence. Hmm. Have you heard of the Peter Principle? What is the Peter Principle? I don't know the exact wording of it, but the way I had it described to me was that you always end up in the job one um, seniority level above where you would be comfortable. So look at it this way. Say you get really good at coding and you become a senior developer eventually. That's the goal for most of us, I feel like. Especially, certainly my goal at any rate. And at that point, you'll have extensive amounts of experience and you'll be able to work with bugs and all this sort of stuff. But once you become sufficiently skilled at something, management and the incentive of further money, perhaps, entices you to look at possibly a job with more responsibilities, i.e., in this case, a team lead. So you're the one who effectively calls the shots in terms of a development perspective, anyway. Note, you don't boss the team around. No, 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 that that would go against agile principles. But you are the one who sort of guides the... I guess you're the spearhead of the team, if that makes any sense? Team leadership in tech companies is just a lot of pussyfooting. Mm, it's just mm-hmm. like I'm in charge, but not really. So, so it's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to step on the scrum that. master's it's so toes. It's passive aggressive as well. It doesn't have to be, but I but I do see what is. you mean about that. Yeah, sadly, it's one of the small downsides. Like it's not enough to really cause too much trouble, but it is. Mm. It's a minor irritation that will probably continue to niggle at me for the next few years yeah what was i saying so the peter principle is that you'll always end up one level above where you would be comfortable Hmm. so you might make an excellent developer but management will then push you into a team leadership position at which point you're then having to manage people it's a slightly different skill set which is often why you have a lot of incompetent managers because they were really competent at the job they were doing prior but because they haven't had management experience before, or they just haven't had the right training, they're not as good as they could be. Okay. Peter Scott uh, from The Office being like a pop culture representation of it. Someone was really. I think that's why it might have been. Yeah, I think that might have been why it's been coined as the Peter Principle somehow. That's how I heard it described, anyway. Kind of makes sense. Wait, though. it's Michael Scott in The Office. Mm. The American version, it's Michael Scott, I think. Is it Peter Scott in uh, the US? English version? It might be. We shouldn't say English version, the original. People seem to think the American one is the original. People seem to think that uh, the English version of The Apprentice was the original. Is it not? Donald Trump came up with it first. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. imagine, like, it kind of makes sense, because, like, you'd have to be a little bit narcissistic to go, like, hey, you know what people would like? Watching me do my job. Mm. Yeah. He's always had a Says the guy desire to be on camera, hasn't he? Mm. Apart from on that sex tape, that, that he couldn't let get out. The one time he's been on camera, he didn't want to Oh, he couldn't get release. it out during the sex tape? I don't know. I've not seen the sex tape. I mean, the sex tape itself wasn't distributed to people. The only one and only time I feel like he hasn't wanted at some time he's been on camera to be shown to the public. (laughs) Although, I mean, in the US they have what Shark Tank, I think. Uh, yeah, that's their version of Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den, yeah, but. We I don't honestly, know, I think the Brit- they just keep stealing shit from us, so we just keep stealing shit from them. Pretty much. They stole the landmass from us. That's probably an unpopular <laughs> viewpoint, but... And the French. Oh, and the French. But that's excusable. I mean... They're the French, absolutely. They're the French. Obviously, they we steal from the French. The French used to be our monarch in the Victorian era. Or well, 18, 1834, I think. Maybe. Otherwise, Victoria, I might be it? thinking of like an alternative timeline that I'm playing in Victoria too. Possibly. Was the dual... But... Somebody tell me. Was the dual monarch a thing in 1834? Maybe. Uh, who cares? I think the only time the UK that England has had a dual monarch might have been James I. Because he was also James the Sixth of Scotland, so that must have been interesting. Um, I I think the workout was it wasn't the King of England, but it was the King of France became the King of England. Yeah, seems interesting. Yeah, because hmm. like honestly, you, we've just not been at war that, and not... with each other since the dawn of time. It's not that far outside of um, plausibility, actually, when you consider that. Almost every royal family across the whole of Europe and parts of the rest of the world are all related to each other in some way. It gets really weird. Like, I think I saw an image from sometime in the late 1900s where it shows all the um, male monarchs or um, or close to or royal family high-ranking members of different cultures, hmm. and they're all brothers, and there's like six of them, and they're across all of Europe, and then like. And then about 10 years afterwards, they're all on opposite sides of the conflict that leads up to the First World War. Like, it's fascinating that this is what happens. I suppose if you're in a family where everybody's fighting each other, this would really cause problems. Because they're all the same family. You're effectively ordering your country to go to war with your brother's country because some idiot in your brother's country decided that murdering one of your citizens was a good idea and it's escalated. Maybe that's why you can't, in chess, you can't actually kill the king. You can only forfeit. Maybe. I've not, I'm not any good at chess, oddly. Really? I could probably learn, but it wouldn't be me playing chess. It would probably just be me reciting moves that somebody else has done. See, I I can't play chess properly, properly either. Like, I don't know the names of moves and stuff but the f- the trick i find to like 
winning is kind of like the opposite of what everybody tells you that i always go like you just think one move at a time and then it's like all my pieces can do this in one move and then you move pick one and then you like all right all of those are the same and these have changed and some of their pieces have changed too and so you just do the best move in that moment where it's like which one gives me the most advance which gives them the most pressure like that it's a greedy algorithm yeah it's a greedy algorithm the problem is they're not always the optimal moves that could be made Hmm. which is where chess bots come in those things are fascinating they play chess at a level that nobody else is able to do Yes, you can put two chess bots up against each other and it's just amazing to watch the stuff they come up with yeah are you talking about like actual chess bots or chess AI where they've memorized all the new uh, or chess bots where they've memorized all the moves and they know the best ones or chess bots where they like they're learning as they go the AI version where they wow. learn it's impressive to see this sort of stuff I mean AlphaGo is was amazing for the fact that it is able to beat humans at Go which is supposed to be or was supposed to be up until a couple of years ago the final the final problem for um, game-based AI because it requires so much thought and planning. Turn-based game, I would, yeah. Yeah. I would love to see an AI that could actually win Yu-Gi-Oh! consistently. That would be impressive, actually. Why? I mean, that... There's a finite well, number of cards. Except they're always expanding the number of cards. Yes, but at the, ti- at the, term, the time of game creation, there's a finite number. So it would be card number the number n factorial number of possibilities there's probably 10,000 different cards so that's 10,000 factorial it's gigantic that's um shit 26 factorial is it's 4,000 times the number of stars stars in our our universe universe yeah yeah 10,000 factorial would be like and consider the fact that it takes a computer only a year to break that, if you had a lot of them. You could break it in a year. I did the calculations for one of the labs that we have to do for um, uh, security, because that's where we found out about that particular factoid. Um, <laughs> I did the calculation, and I figured out that, okay, if you assume that a computer can run each of those possibilities, each of the 26 factorial possibilities takes a second, maximum which is a fairly reasonable thing then it takes a it takes a ridiculous number of time amount of time for you to get through all of them it'd take you 13 sextillion years Mm. sextillion years got it has the word sex not that it means you're talking about something that is how many zeros a billion is nine zeros Trillion is twelve. Quadrillion is fifteen. Pentillion is eighteen. Twenty-one zeros. Damn. Twenty-one zeros with that's a like thirteen in front of it. Zeros. Mhm. 
Long time. I can't wait for this to recording to live on infinitely in the suburban, like minor parts of the internet and one person finds this hears that joke and is like that's just mathematically incorrect like the reference will not last that long what will the world mm. look like having lived through 10 years of internet culture transforming it because the the world changes so much the internet is its own planet really and is its own galaxy and within those galaxies there are cultures and planets which are separated from each other but they have some trade routes and overlap so they have some culture bleeding just bleeding through but large parts of them are completely untouched but all of them assume that they're the center of the universe and all these planets are accelerating on their own timelines. So, like, um, Twitter. Twitter is its own fuck-off country. Uh, fuck-off um, planet with multiple countries in it. Because apparently there's gay Twitter, there's black Twitter and all that. Mm. And all of them are, like, microcosms and they're just... Ex- working at their own thing constantly and so everybody within twitter like there are people who just stay in their own lane and they're like i'm comfortable here and then there are people who say you know what i'm an informed individual but realistically all they know is like i know multiple things of twitter it's like watching the news each night and listening to the world world news but for twitter and so they know all the Twitter stuff, but they but meanwhile there's something on Reddit which that is happening and they have no idea until it bleeds into Twitter. The internet is a weird place. It is, but I'd also say it's uh, it's one of the greatest advances the human that humanity has ever come up with. When you think about it, we've effectively crafted a hive mind. Hmm. Consider the fact that... the advantages of a hive mind. Where you guys think the same and can... Yeah, I wouldn't say those are the advantages necessarily. What I mean is that we've created a space that is... It's greater than the sum of its parts. Because what you effectively have is... You look anything up on any search engine on a browser, you will find most likely thousands of results, unless it's really, really specific, right? Yeah. In other words, everybody who has ever had anything to say, whether they've needed to say it or not, but that's another point entirely, has put it on the internet. The internet, if given, if provided a way to sift through all the information, would know, would have the cumulative sum of all of humanity, of the knowledge of humanity, I mean, hmm. which is... Which is terrifying when you consider how much knowledge that actually is. The reason the internet's so big is because it has to be. To contain that much information everywhere is just madness. There's server farms all over the world. I'm predicting that's what we're going to end up using Mars for. Either that or Coca-Cola decides to start moving their products there. 
What is and that brings me to something actually. Did you know Coca-Cola now has a complete cannot expand anymore globally? They are in every country. They cannot globally expand any further. As a so what do they do? As a, cap as a capitalist country as a capitalist corporation, there must be going they must be panicking because if you can't move forward you're exactly. tantamount to dying in a stock market. Yeah, which is why I think they might start talking to um, Virgin or whatever they rename themselves now, or to NASA so that they can go to Mars. Why? Because then they can expand to Mars. I mean, having an entire planet that's red, it's just thematically perfect for the company, don't you think? <laughs> they just pick a big logo on Mars. <laughs> Just Coca-Cola across Taste it every time something's the feeling. <laughs> the oh, Mars no, no. Just rover walks the... over it. Uh, it's clearly copyright infringement. They get sued. <laughs> That's good, actually. My favourite alternate possibility, though, is that Coca-Cola does move there. They set up factories, all this sort of stuff. And then the workers revolt, and we then have a communist revolution, like has happened in Russia in the past. It's, it's At that point, it's the red, red planet, planet with the red company by the red part of the people. I mean, you have to give me points for this. It's certainly thematically true. I mean, it's just the idea of communists drinking Coke. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Coke's in every country. It's even in China. So, if China can get Coke, I dare say Mars could. I don't know, trade embargoes on Mars yet. Why would there be a trading embargo on Mars? That would be fucking hilarious. That'd be the <laughs> one time legislators have enough free time where they're progressively writing laws. <laughs> they're all such reactionaries in terms of it. I, I, it's too I really look forward to the possibility of when we do colonize Mars because you know that in order for it to make sense, it's going to have to be that everybody on board is effectively their own nation because otherwise it will not work. I mean, realistically, even on Earth, every single person is their own nation. What I mean is that there will be a field day hmm. if one country effectively has control of Mars. Oh. It would have to be a global initiative. Uh, yeah. And even then, there's like a chance where somebody smuggles in a weapon and is a secret spy or some shit. Mm hmm. More to the point, you legally can't be. Could you? You can't even be arrested if you kill someone on Mars, can you? Because if it's a global thing, it's in international waters, which means no mm. one has jurisdiction there, if I remember correctly how it works on Earth. I mean, there was a woman who committed a crime on the International Space Station. Was there? I've not heard mm. about this. Oh, What'd she do? Were, there was a bunch. I don't re even remember. But it was like there were a bunch of memes that said, "Fun fact: One hundred percent of space criminals are women." <laughs> yeah, all one of them. Yeah. One. I think she nicked. Ah, statistics. I think she um illegally downloaded a game or something or like there was a virus on her computer. It's the most perfect answer I've heard. That is the most perfect answer to that question. What was the crime? Pirates, piracy, space pirates! Space pirates, exactly. <laughs> you just half expect Ridley to come flopping around the corner at that point, don't you? Yeah. Not Ridley Scott. 
Please tell me that somebody gets that reference. I Please, hope so at least old. one does. He's in Smash. I'm sure somebody does. Uh, it's not like Metroid's a dead franchise anymore. They're um, starting to rekindle it. Ridley. Slowly. Mm. Ridley's from Aliens. That's Ripley. Oh. I thought you... Not aliens. Why no, are the, uh, why are all these strong, independent uh, female characters named the same? He's a female. He's not even male. I, I, he's referred to as a he simply because he's mean-looking and scary and flat and looks terrified. That's sexist. Why are you being Look mean to men? Why haven't men been Ridley. through enough? True. Look up Metroid's Ridley. You'll see what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with the. I think he looks big, quite. Fr- I think he looks friendly. Apart from no, the fact he might bite my head green off. costume, blue exoskeleton underneath. Exactly. Yeah, that guy. Woman. Dangerous in the Smash. Very dangerous. Yeah. And clear, go clear across the stage and drag Wait, people with him Metroid's doing a ton of damage. main character called Samus. Yes, but Ridley's the leader of the Space Pirates. Hence why I thought it would be a fun point thing to point out. <laughs> Although, it's debatable whether it's Ridley who really controls them, or if it's Mother Brain. Which is a female brain in a jar that is... scary looking. Obviously. is just very good at doing scary stuff with low polygon... with very low-tech stuff. That said, it does look beautiful. There is an art. It's one of those games that doesn't age badly... hasn't aged badly. Hmm. Unlike Sonic 06. Anyway. Yeah. There are some games which are just like solid in either their art style or their mechanic. Metal like Gear Solid. Pac Man. Very solid. CSGO. Mm. Mm. Never I, actually played it, but I see what you I know what you mean by it. Yeah. It's I've still being played now. It's the number one game on Steam now. Tekken 3 is another example. Hmm. Like the, people cite it like often no matter the... how many people copy it, the original mechanic and the original is always best. Because like I I've been playing Valorant and Valorant's like decently fun, but it's only fun because it's like other people play it in the same way that CS:GO is only really fun when other people play it. But Valorant is such a CS:GO clone, in the same way a lot of these shooters are CS:GO clones. It's just CS:GO, but superpowers. And I don't mm. really like the superpowers because they're so situational. And I prefer to like play CSGO because it's like a game of true skill where it's like you've all got the same weapons. You've all got the same stuff. There's an economy. You all have equal opportunity. Oh god, this is the American... This is the CSGO dream. Uh, all men are created equal and have the opportunity to t- kill terrorists. <clears throat> or kill... The counter-terrorists had equal ability, and they have equal opportunity to kill each other after the swap. <laughs> I it's... feel like this premise has been used a lot. I mean, it's used in Rainbow in the Rainbow series, Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. You know, counter-terrorism versus terrorists. I guess it's just an easy thing to always Call fall back on. Actually, yeah, Call of Duty as well. Yeah. Well, I think there it's like CIA versus Spetsnuts. Same difference, though. The point is you have a clear side that's intended to be the bad guys, and you have a clear side who's intended to be 
the good the good guys. Most of these games are they, to be fair, a lot of it is thematically sensible though. Like the cold games that we're talking about here, they take place during the Cold War. Mm. So it does make sense, but it's strange that they keep perpetuating it. I suppose it just makes for a good backdrop to the stories. Which does again make sense. They're making the decisions based on that, I hope, not on any lingering resentment towards Russia. So it could be that as well, I don't know. Yeah. Life's changing a lot. What do you, uh, <clears throat> oh, you answered this before, but I, you're doing compilers? Mm. Uh, security engineering and AI. And AI. Because I don't actually know which subgenre of CS computer science. Of... Yeah. So keeping the options open makes a lot of sense to me. Again, working in a consultancy would further do so because you get exposed to a lot of different projects, which mm. appeals to me because it gives me an indication of what I'd actually be good at in the real world, not just what I might be good at, theoretically. That That's would good. be good, but like I feel like in a you'd probably end up isolated to one specific role after you find your niche. Which might be a good probably. thing. Yeah. I mean, if you work in the consultancy I'm looking at, they often throw people around between different projects. Because, effectively, everyone who works there, after about two, three years, everyone's effectively at the same skill level in terms of the languages they know. Hmm. Craig appears to have left the session. That uh, is... And it doesn't even, like, tell you? That it's... See, this is why... It... This is why I like the fact that we're streaming. Unless the stream goes down suddenly. Okay, so we're still recording. Yeah, we're recording to Twitch. And I'm getting... Oh, video... cool! I've always wanted to do a Twitch stream. Oh, I didn't did I not say... It's oh, yeah, no. we're on Twitch right now. Oh, boy. This is cool. <laughs> I've okay. been told by the chat that apparently I've mislabeled this as being Civilization Six. But it has the tag interview in it, so hopefully that works. Yeah. I guess it's the nice that video people are actually interested is going to be weird, though. It's nice to know that people are actually interested in what we have to sort of say about stuff. At least one person is. That's good. <laughs> one person is more than I was expecting. Yeah. I get decent... Uh, though this is like in the middle of the day, and I normally stream uh, towards like the evening. So I'm like... Um, like most of my audience isn't here and they're like mostly people that I know already so like thank you Luke for showing up I'd quite happily stream to Twitch as well but the thing is I'm on console and it's stream. possible I feel like yeah you just I'd need happily do a it webcam and barely even that actually. you don't even need a webcam just a mic mm. yeah could even plug it through my laptop, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. It, I'm sure I could just look up a YouTube tutorial on how to do it. Because my rationale is, somebody might get entertained just by me watching me play video games, <laughs> even though because I tend to grumble a lot about things or talk to myself. So having somebody <laughs> you effectively pay the money for me doing Joes. something. 
no, not that sort of stuff. Not that sort of stuff. More like, ah, another orc and another one. Three of these flipping bastards, really? <laughs> oh, and you've decided to show up too, you bastard. Okay. <laughs> so I've got to deal with four captains at once when they're all trying to kill me. What a wonderful life I lead. What Remember, guys, is this? this was all for one achievement. One. God help me. This is... I basically finished um, getting all the achievements in Shadow of War the other day, and Jesus Christ, it is a pain in the arse. Like, I like the games, don't get me wrong. I prefer the first one, but... Yeah. They're good, and they, they are good games. I dislike the second one for more... for mostly the loot box reason, but it's also the fact that it suffers from what I think, from what I consider to be the Diablo problem. Or in the my Diablo. case, I've only played... Do What's the Diablo? Like, I've not actually played Diablo, but I have played Darksiders 2, which is kind of the same formula in terms of gameplay. You pick yeah. up, basically, you kill stuff, you pick up loot, and you continuously upgrade your stuff, which is fine, but you reach a point where you have so much extra loot that's useful that you don't have any inventory space left, and you don't have the time to sift through it all because there's just too much, mm. if that makes any sense. Because the way I used to do it when I was first starting to play Shadow of War, when it was slightly newer so probably back in like 2018 so maybe six nine months after it had actually come out yeah flipping loot boxes um i never dealt with that thankfully it's just i don't i really don't like that there was there was a time in video games where loot boxes were the considered the good idea seem to have moved away from that since which is it depends good, who I you agree. ask really mm, it just it screams a bit too much of gambling yeah kind of I mean, that's what um, I think the UN settled on. Yes, as I recall, some sort of similar ruling to that. The biggest offenders in my mind were probably Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I haven't played, but I remember there was a lot of backlash from EA putting loot boxes into the game. And for me, Shadow of War, though I didn't see much of it, it was just... It was the fact that it was there, and it was kind of invasive from what I found. Yeah. At least at first. They removed it later. Like, that's one thing I will give Monolith Software massive point, big props for. They actually listened to the fans and decided to change the way the game works. They removed the loot box thing completely. It's no longer in the game. Okay. You can still get loot boxes, but they're done just by beating people online as opposed to you can buy them randomly once per day sort of thing. Hmm. Which is better, I think. Because at least that way, you have to go online to get loot boxes... They get you some decent-ish stuff, but you don't have to do it, and that's good. Pay-to-win games kind of suck. Yes. Pay-to-win, yes, but Fortnite and a lot of other games similar to that. Uh, Smite's probably another example. Um, League. League. There's one, yeah. And Dota, to a degree. They make their money off of costumes. They do nothing except cosmetically change the character, uh, which I like. Some cause... of the cosmetics are broken because they, uh, they do actually have an in-game advantage. Yeah, but when it's purely cosmetic, I approve. Yeah. Because then it's not pay to win, it's pay to make my character look very flashy, and when I kill people, I look cool, as opposed to I get to kill more people because I paid money for this. Yeah. See, th these games, this isn't such a problem in single-player games, because if you like, get a pre-order bonus or whatever, that's fine in my mind, because 
it's not as though you have an advantage against other people. You have an advantage of yourself, sure, and that's up to you to make that decision, whether you're willing to pay the money for maybe an extra gun or an item or something, and that sort of thing. I, I, I don't mind that. I very rarely do it, but it's the fact that it's optional. Hmm. What really grinds my gears, as it were, is when it's a multiplayer game, which I don't play many of in the first place, but if I ever do, it's that people who are at the top tier of the gaming community, you know, the best players on online at any given time, yeah, they're all paid to win people. Not all, but they basically have paid to get themselves ungodly levels of ridiculous shit gear, ridiculously amazing gear that nobody else can compete unless you start to pay more money for it. That's what the point it really bothers me. It's and the point where it bothers everybody because, like, there's no point playing it... a game that isn't fair. Exactly. You don't have a chance of being the best, just naturally. Yeah. This is why I tend to stick to single player games. I don't, I play games to get away from people. So, multiplayer games is kind of the inversion of the point of gaming from my perspective. Mm. It kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, don't get me wrong, I have had to go for multiplayer achievements. That's another thing that can go suck a railroad spike, as far as I'm concerned. I hate multiplayer achievements. I don't know why they put them in. Stop it. Please. Also, why are you requiring me to have friends? Exactly. Not just that, but... It's me. Do you know, the Ge- Do you know about the Gears of War Seriously achievement? No. Oh, well, let me elucidate. Let me educate you. So... I'm just going to pull up, pull it up on my side. Seriously, achievement, so that I can fully explain why this is so crap. Okay, right. give me a moment. In the meantime, this is a good chance to plug our sponsor. Have you ever donated to charity? Have you ever heard of African children? Have you, uh, have you tried to save the environment? a panda well fuck them honestly <laughs> fuck all of them what have you gotten back from that other than a sense of accomplishment which goes away the next time you have a cheat day and eat an extra chocolate bar wouldn't you rather know that you had a real meaningful impact on someone's life well I have the thing for you my friend, George, is a white boy in England, and he does not have an internet connection. You can make a difference for just a subscription. We just need one dude to pay for an internet connection to this guy a month. And then we're sorted. We can then put the rest of the money towards buying him an actual computer so he can play video games with his friends, multiple of which stream. This is not, think of this not as a charity, but as an investment in your future of entertainment. That was beautiful. I, I had no idea this was sort of such a deserving charity to give to. Yeah. His PayPal is currently on screen. (laughs) PayPal me dot me stroke G-O-G-E-O 
R-G-E-W-Y. That's George Y-W-Y. Please, everything you give helps. But realistically, if it was a tenor, it would help more than if it wasn't. <laughs> okay, okay. The seriously achievement from the original Gears of War <laughs> is as follows. Right. Kill 10,000 people in versus ranked matches in total. Now, this doesn't sound so bad, hmm. except it is, because nobody is online. And unless you are a god at the game, you will die a lot of times. Hmm. To the point where you are unlikely to get 10,000 kills, because nobody is online. <laughs> Or if they are, they're all the people who are amazing at the game, and you will quickly get wrecked. In a nutshell, you have to boost this. You must have, you must find a friendly group of people who mm. will stand there and continuously allow themselves to get shot by you so that you can reach 10,000 kills. Okay. This is not how achievements should be. I should not need to find friends who are hamasochists in a game to allow me to get an achievement. Oh yeah, daddy fucking stab me right. Give it to me right. Fucking hard. You got a knife <laughs> out. Have you played Gears of War? No. Nor have I. But it is the most... It's, it's basically just pure testosterone in the first game. I love it, conceptually, yeah. because... Whereas some other games will have guns with a bayonet attached to it, you know, that, 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 right, forget that shit, nah, that, that, that's for pussies. No, what we're going to be doing is a fucking chainsaw blade on the end of the gun as a bayonet. Wasn't that in the No, Doom I am series? not kidding. It's genuinely a bay chainsaw bayonet. It's a fucking chainsaw on the end of a gun. This is genius for one simple reason. You can violently go up to people and bisect them, which is, I suppose, fun. There's I've not a... done it, but it does seem fun. Supposedly, there's a game developer. Um, and this is like in the... I've heard rumours of this in the internet. Uh, there's a game developer who hadn't played Doom or any of this other stuff. And so, they were asked to develop a chainsaw gun. Meaning, mm -hmm. like, it's a gun with a chainsaw in it. Mm. But they misunderstood like what they thought. And so, they built a chainsaw a gun. gun. Chainsaws. A gun that fires chainsaws. Which was a really fun idea, until they yes. realised it's overpowered as shit. Because the <laughs> chainsaws are permanent. And it broke the game. Both in the fact that <laughs> if you keep firing it... You're just it's firing not bullets but assets, so the chainsaws just keep existing and causing damage to the surrounding area. This is gold. But to be fair, and though, a you. gun that fires and you, yes, a gun that fires chainsaws sounds genius though. <laughs> like. You wouldn't want it being fired at you, but it would be quite fun shooting it. Also, how do the chainsaws stay on? Are these like gas-powered chainsaws, and so like every time you're firing, there's a guy. <laughs> vroom, 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 vroom. 
Either that or the chainsaws. I don't know. Maybe it just, as it fires it off, the pin pushes an electric charge into the motor itself and it turns it on briefly, just long enough to violently so bisect these are through something. Digital chainsaws. Mm. <laughs> digital chainsaws. That's like the name of an old, of a naughty do band, robot, isn't it? Do robots dream of electric chainsaws? <laughs> do androids dream of electricity? Is that a Philip K. Dick story? Yes. Yes. It's referenced a lot. Like, the title is referenced in a lot of different mediums, I find. I feel like it's probably been mentioned in Star Trek at one point or another. Possibly. I mean, it's Star Thank Trek, you. so it's going to be the next generation. One of, um... Probably. It, it's probably going to be, like, the trial of data or some shit like that. I think that might actually be the name of the episode. Or something. Yeah. I think there was an episode like that. Anyway. I mean, I've started re-watching the series, because, you know, I think we all watched episodes here and there when we were younger, at the very least, but... Yeah. I've been going through episode by episode, and I have to admit, it's better than I remember it being, which I was surprised by. I thought most of it would be nostalgia, but no, it's they're actually pretty decent storylines. And the special effects for the time are pretty damn solid. I was surprised. Because, I... you know, you sometimes think that you're just going to have nostalgia glasses on whenever yeah. you go back and watch something from your childhood. I just Not realized something. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I've realized something terrible about children from this point onwards. Children mm-hmm. from this point onwards will never experience, unless they're poor, the joys of channel surfing. Because mm. you can move from channel to channel just finding stuff and discovering things. I mean, this is a lot of the time how people got into shows. They watch something for five minutes and change the channel. Yeah. Kids will know, like, all our viewing content nowadays is intentional. It's done via recommendation or finding ourselves. And all these corporations, they're just... Um, they're investing so much time into channel analytics recommending us the right stuff which is fine but a randomized button just like Netflix has implemented this they've already actually they've got a random button it'll take you to a show that they deem has been considered quite popular this is the thing right random though that's not quite what we what you mean i I realize that but it's just it's in the similar direction it just needs to be something that's completely random you know go from the library and just pick a random index and pick that show. Mm. You know, it, I think that would be pretty reasonable. Because, honestly, I wouldn't mind that. I'm a lot not... of the stuff I've found has been from the recommended tab. I'm not going to lie, but... Yeah. It would be interesting going through that again. I mean, I mean sometimes hell, I, I, like, I have different YouTube accounts because I know I'll be so isolated in one niche that I just like I need to reset that so I just like mm. auto I just leave it onto one of those channels that just play trailers and I just let autoplay run and mute the tab in the meantime I switch to a different YouTube account and then I'll like go back after an hour and it's like basically all my recommended will just be trailers 
And so, yeah. like, from that, I can then generate a new uh, pattern of behavior. Mm. But it's like, we are so, we're so in our bubbles now, and it's we're just driving towards it even further. Yeah. But one thing about Star Trek, just to briefly go back to that, there was an episode that's in Series 5 of the show, I think. Uh, yeah, Series 5, because that's the one I'm on now. Hmm. And it's a fascinating concept because it it details a first contact between the Federation and a species of aliens who, for the first time in a while, hmm. is not able to be understood through the Universal Translator. Up till that point, everybody has been able to communicate. Occasionally, you might ask for clarification as to what a word means, but every species fundamentally communicates in a very similar way, which is English. they say what they mean. Not in, well. That's what the Universal Translator does. It translates it into the native um, listeners' language, hmm. but they can't do it here. And it's not revealed fully in the episode as to exactly why this is. But they do. They are speaking English, but it doesn't make any sense. And that's what's strange. And this is possibly a bit of a spoiler as to how they communicate. But these beings communicate via metaphor. They are not literal like most <laughs> other species. Hold on, hold on. This is <laughs> what? That's brilliant. It is, it is. But hear me out on this. It's not just oh. funny. It's really. It, it made me. <laughs> it made me really think about something, though. Right? Like, imagine how different Confused that would be. Say. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Not just metaphor, though, myth. So what they were, they say things to the effect of, if they mean to give you something, they take an aspect from their mythology of giving. They do it by example. But the thing they use to communicate as the baseline is their mythology. But what's strange about this is this mythology is not shared by any other species. In other words, you'd have to learn the mythology and then try and figure out what the hell they mean. But this is a species made up only of women, right? No, it's not. They speak through coded words, metaphors. They're not code. See, I'm but trying they, to be misogynistic. I yes, I I gather that you're trying to be, uh, but I. But what made me? What yeah. I started thinking is: imagine if humans decided to communicate like this. Imagine if I said to you something like Juliet on her balcony. You know what that means on some level. You can tell it means romance, passion, stuff like that. You wouldn't know exactly the exact context, hmm. but you get the general gist of it. But you only get that gist because you and I share a know. mythology basis. We know what it refers to, yeah. Hmm. Which strikes me as a possible... I mean, if we're, we're studying security, this isn't feasible for large organisations. I fully realise this, and I wouldn't intend it to be used this way, but... It does seem like a kind of fun thing to send messages to each other that aren't just enciphered using some um, encryption algorithm. The person the text encrypted. But they're personally encrypted as well. So you send a phrase that will only make sense to the other person. Even if they decrypt it, they will not have a clue what the hell it's referring to. They'll have the plain text, sure, but the plain text isn't helpful. Which is... I don't know, I feel like it could be interesting as an experiment to try. Hmm. I'm trying to. <clears throat> that is like a a good 
like con uh, concept someone that speaks through legends and metaphors but like now i'm thinking about it early man is like probably that. did the same thing yeah, yeah. like they would art the whole point of like what but the questions are more generalized right so they're like what i'm having this problem what should i do and they don't and most good teachers realistically they don't tell you specifically what to do they'll give you the tools to deal with it so they'll go like what should i do and then you tell them a story there once was a man uh there once were two wolves within every man is two wolves uh one wolf is evil one wolf is good uh they're eternally at war and they want to take over every uh, man which wolf wins and said i don't know which wolf wins he said the one that you feed because it gets stronger and it's like that's and it's in mm. it's intuitive right because we instinctually know literal. what a wolf is we know what a feet what feeding does we know what absence of food does except that what we're referring to here is we're using literal words to describe each of these actions mm. this species wouldn't they would say something to the effect of um man and other man on island right now this makes no sense to either of us what it means to them is very specific they're talking about a specific mythology where these two men arrive separately on the island and leave it together that's the whole point of this story right there's there's more to it's it like than a that. Look up the point table. is it's effectively a lookup table, but and this is the really disconcerting thing. Sorry, um, way... a lookup table is basically like um, a table of context where you look up a name, uh, a thing, and it corresponds to this page number, and then on that page number, like you would have an entire. Yeah, it's a dictionary. But the thing is, just as with humans. Our metaphors can take multiple forms because it's not just that each story represents one thing. It doesn't. That's the thing because each story, because it's a myth, teaches you more than one lesson. Hmm. So using them is not just a case of picking the right one. It's the case of picking the right moment in the story and the right point and the right thing to direct the other person towards or hmm. combining aspects of both. I mean, a good example would be Perseus and Odysseus, two people who never meet in Greek myth, as far as right. I'm aware. But if I refer to Perseus, I may be referring to somebody who is brave, who is intelligent. And Odysseus, again, is intelligent, but he's more than, he's more than that, he's cunning. But mm. The distinction is, the two of them meeting probably refers to someone of great intelligence meeting with someone of cunning. Hmm. But the but this is difficult for anybody who doesn't understand the language at a native level to get their head around. I just find it fascinating that it it's a clever idea. The idea that you might have a species that does not communicate literally. And that would be really interesting if we had to make contact with them hmm. several millennia in the future. You we know, would have no basis. You know what would be an interesting Star Trek show though? Like, just for mm. me, because I'm born. But, like, a West Wing-styled show where it's the Federation, instead of just meeting a planet, they meet another Federation that's just not theirs. 
And so it's these two sides having, like, um, delegations against each other and, like, figuring shit out. But, like, drama-sized. You know? Yeah, in the past, it's been, like, the odd episode here or there where they seem to find alternate realities of themselves or alternate futures, that sort of stuff. Hmm. But as a whole season, it could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Star Trek Discovery? I've not seen it, but it I've seems... heard just terrible Is it any reviews. Good? I've seen mm. like a like I won't watch a show anymore. I'll uh, watch a review of the first episode. And you see, that's the thing. I think that's a fun. I think that might actually be a problem with the way the world is right now. Yeah, we trust other people's opinions of things, but other people aren't necessarily right about the thing itself. I mean, what's a good example? I'm not a particular fan of Star Trek, the original series, primarily okay. because I've never seen it. And I know it's good. I know that critics like it. I know it's widely hailed as being a good TV series. No, and the simple fact is, I think I probably might enjoy it if I really sat down and watched it. But it doesn't appeal to me as much just because it's from a time when the special effects are a bit naff. Hmm. Like, Star Trek Next Gen has decent special effects for the time and you know in a couple of years probably they would be considered naff but it's a bit easier to suspend your disbelief with next generation yeah and you feel a bit more like you're part of the story whereas i've tried watching some of the older episodes of um the original series and i just don't get that same feeling of immersion and that's that's a personal and especially because it was like a very much a product of its time. That's the other thing. Like, I mean, Kirk trying to sleep with every human who crosses his path. Again, product of its time. You, yeah. okay, you could argue something similar with Riker, but at least with Riker, I don't know. Riker is not bit... the guy in charge. No, but the uh, <laughs> the other thing, Riker. How can I put this? Riker doesn't come across as sleazy really he he comes across more as he's a very capable man he's a very and he knows what he looks for in people you know hmm. he's very he's a decent honorable sort of man he's a very good person uh, from the show's perspective you, you can see it in the way that everybody approaches him the way he talks to people that sort of stuff the characterization is he's someone who enjoys a bit of fun here and there but that's all he sees it as he doesn't yeah and he's fairly honorable like if someone turns him down He's polite about it. Kirk, yeah, he might grabs the woman. It's a ah, bit more yeah. date rapey. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Spock, but that's because I find his way of looking at things fascinating. Which that's reminds me, that's the whole point of the character, though. I know. I, I mean, know. like, Kirk like is the kind human of part. Spock is the intelligence it's a it's like an argument between the different parts of the subconscious yeah that's what it's intended to represent i mean data kind of fills the role in star trek next generation but the key thing about data is he's he's effectively coming from the opposite side of the spectrum to spock hmm. he starts off with very little emotion but his entire existence is devoted to becoming as human as possible because that's what he sees as his ultimate purpose and he's kind because of childlike so as well Maybe that's why, it, it, like, um, in many ways young is. people, I I often uh, notice they love 
data because he's like oh he's the weird one he's like does all silly things but he does it because he doesn't understand and that's in a way like childlike so it's very easy to relate to that feeling whilst also making fun of it exactly and the other thing is i think they just a lot of stuff a lot of the choices star trek makes in the way they portray characters in the people they chose to portray each character i think goes a hell of a lot longer a lot further than it does in some other tv shows maybe like picking patrick stewart to play picard mm. works beautifully because picard is the sort of person that patrick stewart is able to perfectly capture it's the reason that he's been chosen for a great many high profile things and the really interesting thing is the fact he was a shakespearean actor prior to doing tv and film really shows in next generation Fun fact for you, look at his hands. Every single time you see Picard, mm. look at where his hands are in the early episodes and compare that to where his co his co-star's hands are. Look okay. at how different it seems. Picard's hands are always at his side. Rikers, in the early episodes, don't look as relaxed. And you notice his hands. Barely, but you notice them. The cards you never do unless he's using them to gesture. Yeah. Plus, plus the episodes are just funnier, I find. Or maybe it's the sort of humour that I grew up with, and that might be why I find it funnier. That could also be it. I mean, like you look he, at Deanna um, Troy. He moves with purpose. Exactly. Every movement he makes is cal he, ma he makes is calculated. Data's mm. is stiff, but it's intended. That's the other thing. Like. It's just I mean, honestly, it just this was just such like it was a grade A crew of mm -hmm. like talent. It really was, and the thing is, I think that the reason Star Trek: Next Generation was better received than its predecessor might be because of the way they looked at it. They didn't look at the story from a perspective of okay. We need something for everybody to overcome. No, they took each episode and sort of trimmed it down a bit. So there is a, some sort of overarching thing that everybody's involved with, mm. but there's also something that, eat, that one specific character or maybe a few specific characters have a more personal investment in. I mean, a good example is any time they have to violate the Prime Directive. It's usually focused on Picard or Riker, right? Because they're the people who are in charge. Exactly. But then you have situations where um, there's a particular episode where Troy loses her empathic abilities and you get to see her without those on. And it's fascinating seeing that because mm. as Riker actually points out to her, it's very clever writing because you see that Deanna is completely lost without her abilities. She feels as though she's lost a part of herself, you know, as, some, as if has. a human had suddenly gone blind. She has. But what Riker points out is really fascinating. It's a very interesting thing about her character that you sit there and think, actually, he's really got a point with that. He's hitting it on the head. It's that by being empathic, she has a, a lot more control in any situation because she knows immediately if the other person wishes her harm because she can feel their emotional state most mm -hmm. of the time. And more to the point, she knows how they're feeling so she can say things that will effectively impact them more deeply which is why she's so good as a counselor but without that she doesn't have a judgment she doesn't have the ability to judge whether a situation is dangerous or not 
or if she can trust people. So she's constantly she's been... in a danger alert. Exactly. And it's interesting because she effectively starts to push people away. She doesn't even realize she's doing it at first. Hmm. But it's because the whole dynamic between her and everybody else has fundamentally changed. And I find that I find that very poignant, oddly. It kind of, um, that kind of just, like you know, I I recently uh, got out of a relationship, mm. and like I won't go into the details of it, but like the worst part that I found of the ending of it, like I didn't find out what went wrong. Mm, I tend to send out a survey. Yeah. She she broke up with me. <laughs> it's like, uh, what is most annoying? At, uh, what is the most annoying part of me? Your incessant need to quantify data. How annoying favorite... do you find this on a scale of 1 to 10? 11. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I she didn't is... tell me what it why we were breaking up really like she was vague about it and so and I guess that was the worst part because like you're not knowing what the answer is there's infinite answers which means mm-hmm. my brain goes is like still trying to figure it out either consciously or subconsciously it's like what did I do wrong. Did I do something wrong? Is it me? Is it... And you're just, like, wondering all of that. But, mm-hmm. realistically, I'm never gonna find out, but... Which is a good and a bad thing. Because, on the one hand, I might be better off not knowing. But, on the other hand, in not knowing, I'm worse off. Hmm... It's the... I, I think this affects people with our mental state more than perhaps other people who don't have the same mental state. Hmm. Because our goal in life really is to try and understand as much as we possibly can. Map the universe. At least it seems to be for me. So when we come across something we don't understand, we try to find as much information as we can so that we can start to. When people refuse to give that information, it, it's a challenge. It's why I value transparency so much, because that way I know where I stand with people. I also know that if I ask someone who I trust implicitly a question, they would answer it without sort of editing their response. They wouldn't sense themselves because they know that if I'm asking the question, I want a response that is direct rather than perhaps indirect. Yeah. That's 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 the sort of thing I'm looking at. Yeah, it makes relationships int- a lot easier as well if both people are willing to be completely transparent about everything. It does, but at the same time, it kind of like like I'm um uh, do I want to... I'm a dom, right? Um, you already know this, I think. I think we've had this conversation. That explains the dungeon the last time you fucked me. Ah, ah. 
like I, I'm a dolman, so like a big, a lot of my uh, interaction when it comes to dating is. I can't believe like, I made that joke. That was a good joke. Mm. I don't like. It's like, look at you. Um, but a lot of the interaction that is just like instinctual is conflict driven. Especially, uh, I'm also like a brat tamer. Um, so basically when there is a bratty person, I typically know how to deal with them or like, I know how they would like to be dealt with. And so I tend to like meet that instinctually. And so sometimes in like social interactions, even if I'm like not actively pursuing a person, I'll just be like kind of flirty or just kind of like playful and conflict mm-hmm. is like one of the key things that is driven there and like if you're open about things with the person and willing to be open that's fine and that's great because like communication is key in the set and especially if you're vetting a person but at the same time like absolute communication can cause like there to be no conflict at which point there is no reason for a relationship to continue and i noticed this not only within myself but within other relationships like uh a lot of couples you hear them and they're our age and they're and like if you start thinking about it from like a psychology point of view that what they describe as their ideal relationship is insane it's like it's like oh yeah this is my ideal relationship oh yeah we love all the same things we're always completing each other's sentences. We're per- uh, we're always get uh, we're always uh, getting along, and we are, uh, we always watch the same shows. It's amazing. We're perfect, and then you think about it as in a, like from a relationship point of view, and I'm like, well, first of all, if you're both if both of you are the same, then one of you is unnecessary you're you you're in a relationship with your identical with somebody identical so either one or both of you is a complete narcissist mm. i mean from my own personal experience hmm. with the relationships i have managed hello fabio's girlfriend <laughs> that's not doc that's not uh, do you want to say her name or Nah. There's, there's no but way I will anyone say, can find her name. Uh, find her from. I know, her. I know. Her name there. In anyway, point is, <laughs> the point is, she and I don't agree on everything. Yeah. But, and that's fine. There is one thing that really annoys me though, <laughs> is the way she goes shopping in a supermarket. All right. I know it's one of the. This is a personal really specific, shit. Okay. It's a very specific thing, but it's a it's a clash in the way we do things, mm. and I find it both endearing and incredibly irritating. She will walk down every aisle in the supermarket looking at everything. We just came in to buy rice. We needed one item, and we left her, and we take more than twenty five minutes because she insists on looking at every freaking aisle. <laughs> Because I don't get it. I don't understand how you can do the browsing. Does she buy something? 
infrequently other than the thing we needed i think maybe it's like you know it's like maybe it's not what knowing what you want except that we wrote a list we wrote a clear list of what we needed we went in there and we should have left with just those items no like you want to know what else is out there in case there's something better you know I, i respect her right to do this i just wish i shared it because i'll be completely honest the way i do shopping is as follows i make a list i get exactly the items on that list and i leave all in all my shopping takes me very little time if i'm the one doing the shopping it sounds like you could do it online i could indeed however usually we don't want to pay the delivery charge like most of the time my mom is the one who does the shopping yeah when i was on placement and on days when i was off you know bank holiday or whatever yeah she might ask me to do it because she might be working that day sort of thing that's the idea in which case i just nip down to tesco get exactly what was asked for and return and it took me about 10 minutes but and i don't get how people can do this i mean to the point where i plot an optimal route through the store so i spend as little time there as possible because to me it's a problem to be solved rather than looking at every flipping item and yeah. I genuinely asked her, why the hell do you do this? And she says, I want to see what else is there, but we didn't need any of it. It's not the point. It is, though. Shopping is for necessities. You can browse if you're in a shopping centre. In a shopping centre. Supermarket is just food and specific things. Then, go to a, then we should go to a shopping centre. I guess that fundamentally okay. just means that you're completely d- different tasks. Like, for her, shopping is to buy things but for you shopping is to buy the things on the list yes my mum has my mum is actually not as strict as i am with the list if she remembers something upon seeing it that should have been on the list but wasn't she will buy that as well i won't if it's not on the list it's not getting bought (laughs) which is why which is why my lists are thorough because that way i can't possibly screw it up it also keeps modularity which is good all right. Oh dear God! This is how software development eats into your life, isn't it? Jesus. Modularity is the idea that different things should be accomplished by different parts of a machine, parts of a piece of software. Yeah. So that to the point where one module of a shopping experience is the person who writes the list. It may be me, but they have no contact with the person who is doing the shopping, apart from providing them a list. So yeah. if it's it's not the person who's buying it's kind of like the the concept of um uh an assembly line but not necessarily as linear Mm. yeah so if it is my own fault if i didn't write it on the list but i'm not going to compromise the latter half by buying it even though it should have been on the list if it's not it doesn't get bought which my girlfriend has said she finds slightly infuriating. Because you give me the list, I go in and buy it. Once other stuff that might not be on the list. Yep. But she's learning to live with it. See, th- she's gonna have to because I can't the, change this. That. Conflict creates something within your relationship as well. But this is the thing. I think it depends on the kind of what we're trying to say by this by this example is that. I think it depends on the kind of conflict. Like, if it's these small things that irritate you about the other person, as opposed to something that you 
you accept the viewpoint, but you don't agree with it, there is a sense of conflict there because you want to try and persuade them to your way of looking at things yeah. and they want to persuade you to theirs. And inherently there, there is a conflict, but it's not an aggressive conflict. It's more like a debate. And that to me feels healthier. Something that okay. is something you can disagree about without it becoming a real problem within the relationship. It's fine to argue, absolutely. But it's the way you argue that effectively tells you whether this is a relationship that is worth keeping, in my mind. Although it's different for every person. Some people thrive on arguments where they th throw stuff at each other. I don't. I that mean, stuff's expensive. I don't really think anyone long-term throws at that. It's mm. just like one person's dysfunction facilitating another. Yeah. Like, mm. don't, don't get, like, don't do the domestic violence woman. Don't do the domestic violence men. But don't fucking hit people. Generally. Yeah, don't throw stuff either. Mostly because that stuff's expensive and yeah. you have to be replaced. And there's so many videos online of, like, guy comes back, a uh, uh, girl was pissed at him, girl trashed his shit. And I'm just like, why the fuck? Or girl decides to break PlayStation. In this video, I saw on Facebook a couple of months ago, it's just come back to me now when you mentioned destroying stuff. This girl comes in while her boyfriend or husband or something is playing a game on a PlayStation 3, right? Yeah. And she then grabs it, yanks the cables out and stamps on it. And then he's about to shout and then she just pull and then she just pulls out a PS4 from behind her back and he and then he lights up and is excited. This to oh, me wait. is a worrying behavior. <laughs> yeah, like why the fuck would you smash one thing? Like it's not a replacement. That's the thing. I and it really got to me for a minute because in case people don't know the ps4 is unable to play ps3 games natively you can do it through ps now or whatever but you can't play the discs of ps3 games so she hasn't upgraded him she has effectively removed Destroyed. features like uh, i feel very sorry for that man yeah and in the moment of his enjoyment he's losing something he likes and he hasn't thought about it for a sec he's like oh shiny <laughs> to be fair humans have developed that oh shiny sense to the point where it's kind of how video games prey on you with bloody collectibles like you may you may or may not have noticed this anything important in the game is shiny it glows. Anything in a game is to some degree shiny, so that people go there because it's shiny. Collectibles often have sparkles on them to denote you should touch this. Which is funny because, of course, if it was actually shiny in the middle of water, that's probably mercury. Don't touch it. B bad idea. Um, don't touch mercury. You'll regret it. It is explosive. Actually, I think it's corrosive. Hang on. Is mercury corrosive? I think it's explosive. Yeah. It also freezes into some weird compound if you put it to below freezing. 
It's kind of cool. Solid Mercury is really weird to look at. Does Mercury blow up? Oh, Google once again coming to our rescue. No, I don't think it does. Yeah. I think it's just poisonous. Hmm. Don't touch it. I forgot. Honestly, I forgot all the stuff I wanted to talk There was this, like, the Wall Street shit I kind of wanted to talk about a bit. Go on. I don't know enough about it. I do know that GameStop the... has suddenly become a Fortune 500 company from it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's like a. Tar... For a meme where it's like Big Bird in a room full of executives, and it reads GameStop in a room full of Fortune 500 execs, and it's like. That's clever. I like so what, that. what's happened to my understanding? Alright, do you know under, do you know what stocks are? Parts of a company that people can pay for and get dividends from what because they own part of the company. Yes. And do you know what a short is? Where you buy the stocks at a Is it not just buying and selling stocks? Okay. Um it is and it isn't. So a short is where you borrow stocks from a stock from a uh, broker, and the broker mm-hmm. is the distributor from the stocks. You sell these stocks at a price which is set, to, which is described as high. Then, when the price drops, you buy the stocks back. Then you return them to the broker, and you keep the difference. The broker still has the same stocks, and the other person was happy to buy it at the time and is now happy to sell it, and you have just earned money. Okay. That's a short. A short position is when you do this in a large sense with multiple things, or uh, multiple units of stock. Mm-hmm. Now... What's happened is somebody found out through the looking at trading records that a specific firm, a hedge fund, had um, was in a short position against GameStop, where they were like they were buying high and they expected to go low, and so they were going to make a profit like that. So what they did is they encouraged other people to buy a lot of GameStop stock. Thus increasing the price. And don't sell it back to them. And not selling it. So, like, they have a requirement to sell stock uh, back. So, they own a lot of the stock. Sorry, um, they owned a lot of the stock. And then they sell, sold it. And they sold it while it was supposed to be high, but now is the low. And so they're required to sell that stock back at a certain amount of time. But, but if they do, then they make no profit on it. Yeah. And well, if they, actually, no, it's even worse than that now. They'd make, they'd make a loss on it now, exactly. wouldn't they? Because the price has gone and up. And so the oh. price went up so much that it passed the b- value of the company. Which was thirteen point oh, one itself. billion. 
of what you, the, the hedge value fund of seriously yes jesus christ okay because the value went from there. like um 16 to t- uh, 10 to 16 to now 420 at, at its rise i think i wrote uh, stock yeah 420 per stock jesus i love the fact that it's 420 please tell me it's 69 i think it was inten- I, I feel like that might have been intentional I think it might have been. And so, like, it's I've got good. I've got this friend uh, who I'm interviewing on Monday, and she's into this sort of stuff and into this community, and so mm-hmm. she's like, tell it. She's giving me advice, and I'm going to interview her because, like, she's got some interesting stuff, and she's got gonna have some interesting insights. But I'm just like, on the moment, I've had like three arguments with people yesterday over this, and I'm like. Like fundamental, like there's people who are trying to pass legislation to make this illegal, and the people who are, yes, the, the chat's going. It's like, are we gonna learn about stonks? Yeah, actually, because I like economics. Um, like they're trying to make this illegal because they're like they've targeted an organization to try and bankrupt them and discredit their short position and yet they're just doing the same thing that other hedge funds yes they they? have the ability to do the things that other hedge funds did the whole point of a fund is that you collect a lot of money as a organization representative of an individual on behalf of others so you have i can do more things now, individual mm-hmm. traders had this thing called leverage, where you're borrowing money to be able to have buy more stocks and thus have more leverage on the market than you would otherwise have, and then you return the money with an inv- with an interest. It's a loan, basically. It's a loan, basically, yeah. And then, like, you've got all these things, and then you've got, like, things which are spot trades, which are, um, you buy at a set price in exchange for a, a currency or a commodity with equivalent value, uh, value, and then you're just trading shit. And then you can, like, buy and sell, and, like, you can hold that and sell it at a higher price, which is the typical structure of a trade. But there is, like, within trading, there are also other things that you can do. There's a short, there's a long, there's going... There's, there's a bunch of different shit. Like, uh, well, long, a long is, is the you... opposite way of a short, which is, long is that yeah. you, you sell low and buy high, as opposed to sell high and buy low. It's... Yes. So, in a short, you buy high, you borrow... You sell high, you buy back low, you give back to the thing you borrowed. In a long, yeah. you buy, you hold the stock, you pay the fees of that stock, and then you sell high. Like, that stock may not even bo- belong to you. Like, you may have borrowed the stock, you hold it, you pay the fees of the stock, and then you sell high to cover the fees as well as the profit. And mm. that's ba- that's basically the entire stock market really. 
like the a uh, there's like different stuff that you can do which is like technical and different trade techniques but the, this is like the fundamentals and so like now they're trying to the all street guys they're trying to make it illegal to make <laughs> that a group of people anonymously online are able to have such a sway in the market acting as individuals which act as a collective acting in the same way as a fund would be because funds can do this to each other it's just like it's bad reform it's bad decorum to do so and so could you not just say that the individuals together classify themselves as a fund even if it's not but if funds have employees which act under the umbrella of this and there's a lot then just someone has to set up a hedge fund and they can all to go under the umbrella surely they could right but the problem with that is is a lot of people aren't willing to do that not set up the hedge fund so like within a hedge fund there's things called trading strategies so if i there are graphs and publicly traded information now the whole point of the free market and the stock market is that everyone has equal access to the same information and based off that information they use it they calculate it and then they come up with think trading strategies and they submit a report and then they do those strategies right so mm-hmm. based so you would love this based off this data we should do this you look at it your data makes sense do that that is the stock market and all the data is like well this company makes profit based off this resource this resource price dropped therefore this company will be able to produce more therefore that company will increase price that's like a basic example so that's going to make sense so do that do the trading strategy based off that do this now employees of a of a fund are required to submit those reports and those reports are documented now the federal trade commission in america and there's a bunch of uh, trading authorities which people these tr- tr- these funds report to if they suspect somebody has committed fraud somebody is using insider information or in this is called referred to insider trading where somebody yeah. who has access to information outside that is not publicly available uses said information to gain a profit or on the market that they would not pre- uh, previously have mm. so that's illegal because that's against the idea of a free market so these trading commissions try to stop that from happening now the way they do this on funds is they require reports they make sure that everything's above board stuff like that now how do you do that with a bunch of anonymous individuals acting as free agents you can't they're effectively a botnet they are a botnet and this is the thing that I'm interested in because it's like 
it's good and bad, right? So they're forestry is trying to campaign this should be illegal and that's no way that could be illegal but what could be uh, but what's going to happen i think is these people who are acting as individuals on things such as robin hood and are on wall street bets the subreddit i feel like they're going to get a lot more attention from these trade commissions which are going to require which are going to require governments to pass regulation on who can and cannot trade. You must be licensed, you must have uh, this, you must be registered, whatever. All right? Which will stop these organizations from being able to operate and will stop these individuals from being able to trade stocks, which will go against the whole point of this thing the first time, to allow the little guy to be able to make a profit based off his intelligence to rise above your standing based solely on your ability in the ma- uh, to read the market that's egalitarian that is why most people say it is the american dream that's why most people go i love this country because that is universally fair the better you are at the thing you do the more money you can get and the more money you have the more ability you have to do the thing that you're good at like somebody who has uh, 10 pounds has a lot more moves that they can make as opposed to somebody who has a hundred pounds because you can buy more apple stock (laughs) you can buy more stock with one than you can with other yeah but here's the thing right i think i can see the i can see what you mean by your concern that this will affect the individual negatively And I appreciate that's an issue, but I also have to admit, I do like the karma of this whole thing. Hmm. Like the hedge fund is effectively doing something that would be, mm, to the majority of people would probably be morally reprehensible, if that makes any kind of sense, because you're effectively putting a company in a position where it's uncomfortable to be. Okay. But then again, that's competitive business. I, I understand that it does happen, I understand why it happens, but I also wonder whether it should happen. Is there not a better way of it working? I mean, a good example of this, I think this may just be the way I've looked at it, and it may just be because I'm in a position where I'm able to entertain this belief without serious consequences. I'm not chasing money in my career. I'm not chasing it really anywhere. I am, however, making smart decisions about what I have, not what I will will have, key distinction. I'm making decisions based on what I have, and I'm trying to keep myself to small amounts of money that are required per month for um, luxury things. things what, how you're spending. Exactly. But the thing is, what this allows me to do, because I'm in software, which is as we both know, a fairly lucrative um, sector to be, you're able to start looking at things from the perspective of not, I need a job, but I want to get this job. Because maybe you're, once you no longer have to worry so much about the money coming in, as long as it is coming in and is at the minimum requirement for you to get from one month to the next in relative comfort, Mm. 
I mean, you won't be able to buy a Lamborghini every month, but you'll be able to sort of have things you do each month that are enjoyable, that are that are fun. You can be but you a won't comfortable be... middle class. Comfortable middle class, you know, solidly in the middle. You have enough money coming in and enough money going out that you still have a bit in reserve and you can make some money doing other things. All right. But this is the thing, right? I don't... I have not invested in the stock market. I have been meaning to, but I elected against it simply because I didn't... The fuck is Dogecoin? It's a cryptocurrency. (laughs) I figured it was a cryptocurrency, but... Please tell me it's the it's the Doge meme it coin, is. please. Oh, brilliant! I might have to buy one of those. We'll see. I... The thing is, I look at my money from more of a perspective of I want to put it into savings accounts currently because I didn't have a reliable source of income up until my placement year, and that would only be for a year. Once I'm actually earning money and I have a stable income. Then I'd feel comfortable perhaps putting some of it into the stock market because at that point I can make I don't have to worry about all of the money effectively evaporating because there'll always be more coming in, if that makes any sense. Mm. And I'm smart enough to not put all of my chick all of my eggs in one basket. I'd probably have a couple of accounts. Like I already have about three savings accounts across different banks because I'm chasing that high interest rate, especially after COVID. Yeah, I I do that too. <laughs> This is the thing. I find saving a lot easier because, effectively, I never lose money from doing it. And to me, I'd much rather have low returns rather that, but with the assurance that it will always be a return, rather than higher returns with the, with no assurance that there will actually be one. I don't like the, the risk so much. I'm the like. Um, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, and he's from a lower income background, and so like he didn't learn the same lessons I did from my parents. Mm. My dad, I found that it's interesting. It, it's a difference. And so like I was having this conversation, like we were talking about his university and how much he's spending. And so mm. like, I was having this conversation with him. I was like, going through, it's like, why are you doing this? This is crazy. And then I, I started like, in the end of it, I was, it started like what was basically a lecture. I was like, so you do this because this, and then this and this and this. And then this, and then I was like trying to reason with him, and then it's like a fr- friend of ours came in a Discord chat, and there was like five of us at the time, and now there were six. It's like what's happening is like my friend goes, "Yes, Alex is um financially emancipating Dennis," <laughs> and I'm like, "That's a that's funny a joke," sentence. but at the same time, holy shit, you're right, because the worst part of being poor, I think is not knowing that you cannot be poor and the steps you can take. Like, I was I was raised middle class by a guy who very much understands economics and money and by a woman who very much understands the law and moral systems. So, that caused me to be someone who understands money and the law which gives me such a fucking advantage in life because I, I can, can just look at something I don't have that like, same advantage you... I do have I have a different advantage and it's more than it's not necessarily the experiences my parents have given me but it's their it's more so the way they've raised me into the sort of person I am it's the structure 
Kind of. I'm not a risk taker. Yeah. But as a result of that, it means that I'm also a miser because I don't really want to. I don't. I think it comes down to three things. I've been raised to not need to get the absolute latest anything at any given time. Mm. I will be quite satisfied with specific things that I want. Yes, of course, there are things I want to get, but I'm also smart enough to either save up for them or find money for it from the disposable section. Basically, I just go to the corner of my room where there's a big pile of money and I just pull out as much as I need sort of thing. I'm joking. It's in a bank. Although if the banks start putting negative interest, I'm going to have to start putting it in my mattress again. Oh, boy. That's a worry. Uh, Might make it comfier, though. Is, is in- the interest market is interesting as well. I mean, it's got the word interest in it. I would hope it's interesting. But, hey. Yeah. Hey. That's such a low effort pun. Can I, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of want to just, like... So, my friend, like, I... I, just in case like anyone listening to this doesn't know, I've had a go at a lot of people who I've talked to like personally because, and it's for, it's for my perceived their perceived benefit from my idea uh, from from their benefit from my perspective. I've like yelled at them for this because they don't. They know the definitions, but they don't know the difference, really, between active and passive income, right? So active income is a job, right? You're actively doing work, and you're actively getting paid. Passive income is income which is not active. You're not actively doing something, but you may have done something in the past, and so you're getting benefit from that. Right. Savings would be an example of passive income. I'm not sure about stocks because you have to put in effort to actually exactly. buy and sell stuff. A lot of people think the stock market is a form of passive income. It in no way can ever be a form of passive income. If you have a stock manager, it can be perceptually, but it isn't because you have to actively pay the guy. And you've got to find that money from somewhere. You've got to find that money. Stock markets are based on the idea that you know what you're doing. That you read graphs, that you do this, and that you know when to sell. No part of what I just described of constantly looking at the price of a stock can ever be described as passive. It is always active. And so people Mm -hmm. who are in lower income families who think, oh, I'll do what the rich people do. No, the rich people do things because they were poor and then they had skills that they developed for, uh, for being rich, but they're not still doing the things. They've adapted their strategy since then. If you only look at the people who are successful, which is what we want to do is things. But we fail to appreciate the path that they've taken to get to that point. We will never be that kind of success. We will never have that thing that we want. This, Mm. my friend was, he was going, it's like, yeah, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And I'm like, oh, great. How do you get it? And he's like, and he had to Google some shit. And I'm like, if you have to re, if I ask 
if you tell me something that you want and you don't know how to get it instantly, then you don't really want that thing. You just like the idea of it. And so, so there is merit to saying that you can have a general idea of what you want, but and you have a possible avenue to go down, but you're not quite sure if it will pan out the way you expect it to. But, and that's I don't know, fine. I guess in the, but so that's fine because you have, you have a kind of plan. Kind of, yeah. So, I guess. Like one thing, right? My friend, so he's in. Uh, he's going to university. Mm-hmm. And I ask him, why is he going to university? He says, to get a job. It's like, why do you want a job? And it's like, this, this, this. And I'm like, great. What job do you want? And he didn't know. And I'm like, all right, so the job's not the thing that you actually want. So what do you want? And he said, money. I want money. And I'm like, all right. And a job is just how you get money, but you don't actually want the job. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So if money's the thing that you want, then you shouldn't put so much pressure in finding the perfect job because the perfect job doesn't exist for you because you don't care what the job is. You care about the money. So your definition mm. of the perfect job doesn't correspond to what your the definition of the perfect job should be. The perfect job for you, if what you really want is money, is the thing that gives you the maximum amount of money for the minimum amount of work. Yes. And, you're like, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, great. So, the thing that does that is inheriting things, which you can't do. So, throw that idea out. You can't. There's no chance that you're going to inherit that. So, the minimum amount of effort for the thing work, that's not going to happen. So, what's the next thing? Keep working at things and keep reinvesting in yourself. And eventually you'll be able to get there. And like, because I act, I actually know like a couple millionaires. Like I've either grown up and been introduced to them, grown up around them, or met them in my life. And they're all the same. They always have something at the start, invest in it, save money, and then reinvest into some, into an expansion, like like uh, one of the one of the guys I know who became a, bil- a millionaire, right? When he was sixteen, he worked at a cafe. He learned that. Then, when he was eighteen, he had saved up. He had saved up enough, and he, with a friend, license uh, bought the lease on a on a location made a cafe and worked there for three years he had then from that cafe built up enough to do the same thing again and he left his friend at the last place to run it and then he started up the other place and then he kept doing this and now he owns 20 cafes and a bunch of other shit now if you build something up to the point where it's self-sustaining and then leave, that's fine. But you sit. This is the problem I see with a lot of immigrant families when they come over: is they build. Immigrants are amazing because they're likely to start things up and start up businesses, and be able to generate an income for their family. And that's very desirable. But the problem is, they stop. 
thinking of the drive. To them, uh, hustling is constantly working. No. Hustling is doing the thing that is most efficient. If you are a person who is able to build up a business from scratch, why are you managing an existing business? That's not the most efficient thing that you could be doing. The most efficient thing you could be doing is building another business from scratch. If that thing can be, if a job can go to someone else and cost you less money than you doing it, because you're hourly, you're worth something on an hourly basis, then why would you not pay someone else to do a thing? If I'm able, if I have a skill which is able to give me a return, why not do that? Is the potential of creating a new business not better than paying a guy, what, 15 pounds an hour to manage three other people who are pretty much self-sustaining? And then I was was telling Mm -hmm. him to this, and like, this is active and passive income. Passive income only comes when like, you've moved on from the project and a year has passed. And so I was telling him this and it's like, so your goal as a job shouldn't be to keep working, which is what happens when these immigrant families come in and like they open up a cafe. They'll just live there for the rest of their life and then their kid will eventually get it. I'm sorry, I'm I'm like yelling, but I was like, shit like this frustrates me because I care about these uh, motherfuckers. And they don't know how to get out of a, the situation they're in. Like, I literally... Like, literally, he says, Oh, I, sh- I want to save more money. Within five minutes of searching on a spare room, we found a, a thing around the corner, five minutes extra walk time from his university, which was uh, 500 per month, but £135 less than what he was paying and he got more stuff in there. Like he had an ensuite bathroom. Uh, he had an ensuite bathroom, TV access, in, bills, everything uh, prepaid for him, and a decent Wi-Fi connection, where he didn't mm. have that in his uh, housing already. And I'm like, yeah, why aren't you doing this? And he says, well, I didn't look for it. And that's the thing, you don't know what to look for unless you have the ability to know. And that's the part that pisses me off because our schooling system is structured to get people into jobs, but it doesn't actually teach them certain skills for life. And this is what, uh, this is what, uh, all these, um, people on online courses, they say, you, they no school's useless. It doesn't teach you the stuff that actually makes you successful. And it's true. And it's not true at the same time, because you never click on these services and you never click on these ads because your idea of success isn't the same. Your idea of success is I get a job, I work hard, uh, I re- uh, uh, so I'm comfortable and then I die. My idea of success is I get co- I get comfortable, I keep expanding to the point where... Like, I am currently in a position where if I don't want to, I can live... And I am 21 right now. I can live without working for a decade I can just live in my current location right now and never do any work just sit at a computer 
uh, getting fat, watching YouTube all day and going to bed for a decade. And the reason why is because I worked at eight years old cleaning cars, cleaning bikes, mowing lawns. The moment I had a uh, a national insurance number, I had two jobs straight out the back. KFC uh, and Sports Direct. I worked at that, I worked at that. And with all of that money, I reinvested it. Like, I I have, like, equipment in this flat, which is, like made me more money after buying it whereas like like you buy a screw set and you learn how to fix things and then you're making 35 pounds an hour minimum because that's like your commission for a minimum labor job and you're this is the thing you need to constantly just reinvest in yourself so that you can have a better earning potential and people have that part at the beginning where they're like, I'll go to school to reinvest, uh, to get a higher earning potential, but then they stop. It's like, uh, Fabio, you know this. Like, um, guys who only go to school, I, like, and it pains me because I can see them around me when I'm in class. They're the people who just do the lab because it's due. And it's like, why aren't you learning from this? Why aren't you, like, taking an initiative to move further and then learn from it? Like, they're just doing an activity because they are forced to do an activity. As opposed to doing an activity because them doing the activity puts them at a better advantage for the next activity. And it's insane. I'm just going to interject here. Just sorry to interrupt. Sorry, yeah. um, I think you and I have a difference of opinion on the way we look at things, but okay. I think we also have a great many things that we agree on. I know what you mean about people who just do the work for the sake of doing the work. I would like to think I'm not one of those people, but it does make me wonder if I am, because hmm. I only really do what's asked of me. I don't necessarily go above and beyond just because I want to make sure that I'm doing the work to get the high grades. Yeah. Not because I necessarily need the high grades. I, I, re- I re- fully realize that the grades are not what gets you a job, which is the next step in my um, in my plan, as it were. But I recognize that for my own peace of mind and for my own sense of accomplishment, I need to get a first because otherwise I feel as though I could have done more hmm. and didn't because I was focused on a different goal. It, it's kind of hard to articulate, but it's that. But that's to because... me getting a first. Sorry. Getting a getting a first to me is the equivalent of having completed uni, as opposed to have just gone to uni and got a degree. Hmm. If that makes any sense. But that's because you have a different value system. So, um, exactly. in my with my thing, I, I was trying to say like uh, people who are kind of like walking through life. Like, they've been told something and then they've continued down that. Like, they've been given a plan by somebody else. You're not like that. You actively... You're an active thinker, as far as I, I'm, as far as I can tell. Like, your is... goal isn't university. Your goal no. was university, and then you kept thinking about it. Your goal isn't a job. 
your goal was a job and then you kept thinking about it you have like, goal... in conversations we've had outside of this you've gone along and you've like you've mentioned stuff that you want to do which is outside of the job and happens way after which like you think long term and you've demonstrated that it, many conversations we've had at many different nando's locations mm. and <laughs> nice shout out to nando's please yeah. sponsor us Please, but uh, honestly, I would take that in a heartbeat. I, I would will, too. I will suck your chicken cock. Honestly, get come here, baby. Oh, that's spicy. Works beautifully. That's spicy. We need, we need the peri peri. Uh, okay, um, but I think um, it. I think it does come down to my goals change, but there's always a there's always a very clear distinction between the goal I had. And the goal I'm now looking at. Exactly. It's not that I'm moving the goal post. It's that there's another race to run, if that makes any sense, as opposed yeah. to keep extending things out. And I had to really carefully put myself into that mental state because otherwise I probably would go mad. But my goal is actually a house. Right. Mostly for it's partially symbolic to my to me. You know, I own a house. I own property. I have therefore. I am therefore in a better position than somebody who is renting. Hmm. The reason I want to own property is because at that point, I can live there and I don't have to worry of as much about things like a grumpy landlord or neighbors or things like that. And it also represents permanence to me. If hmm. you're renting somewhere, you could leave at any time, as could anybody around you. If you own your property, I have to admit that you probably save more money than you spend if you were renting. Just because... Long term, yes. In the long term. Because the more fact is, rent will be the same price forever, right? In uh, theory. Unless it... So, okay. in a... have you rented before? No, I've only ever so lived at home. tenancy contracts, um, they have a ter fixed term. So, there's yes. a... So, currently, I'm on a monthly rolling contract. So, but that monthly rolling contract has a fixed term. So after let's say two years the rent is then reviewed and then raised or lowered on dependent on the current market and the valuation mm -hmm. of the house usually it'll go up because inflation yeah and yeah. and there's a vested interest in the housing market going up but the rent will be reviewed now if you that can happen instead every two years every 12 years every every 12 months and that's a renting and that's a tenancy agreement or a, and then that works forward or you own your property but i'm i'm interested though is the idea of owning a house right hmm. just for habitation no, there is a, there is another aspect to it. When what I say it? a house, I I am realistic enough to realize it would probably be I own a flat, not a ha actual house. But okay. the, the image is the same, in equi equivalently in my mind. I'm not really fussed where it is, in terms of whether it's house or a flat. It would be good to have some stairs though, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> just so I can run up and down them and good creep exercise. people out by the way. Good exercise as well, but also the fact that I can creep people out the way I walk downstairs. How do you I always downstairs? go two at a time. You monster. Yes. 
I go up them two at a time as well. See, this Freaks is why people, people say gingers aren't people a human. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the main reason that I want a house is because it represents the I want it to actually be somewhere that I can live, not just sleep in, hmm. if that makes any sense. To me, I value the time I spend outside of work much more highly than I do the money I get from the work. As long as the money is sufficient for my needs, I will be relatively satisfied. And I'm in a unique position, I think, because I actually really like the job itself. Yeah. But I'm safe in the knowledge that I don't necessarily need to worry about the money. So I can pick a job that I actually enjoy with people I enjoy working with, and I also have the ability to do things I want to do outside of work with the money that I have because it's sufficient for my needs. It's also the fact that I tend to live quite well below my means because I like to save money because I've always been of the opinion that I should always have something in reserve in case of a very bad situation happening. I don't want to become... It's a rainy day fund, basically. That's what my savings accounts are. It's... I'm also... Yeah. All of this is just a long-winded way of saying that I want to have the easiest life I possibly can in terms of I want to do fun things that I enjoy. I don't want to have to worry too much about money. And I honestly just want to live the way that I think I should be able to. Financially free, but also tethered. Because I recognise that I'll probably be paying off that mortgage for the next 35 years once I get it. That's fine, because I'm a young person, and by that point, I'll probably have moved into a different house, Hmm. probably closer to work, or similar. I'll probably have gotten myself somebody friendly to keep help me out with cooking and stuff. Hi, Aaron. Uh, Or I might just hire a personal chef. That's the other thing. Because I value my time over my money... A lot of the time. Yeah. I probably would be the sort of person that would hire a plumber to do stuff. Unless it was something trivial that I could just look up on YouTube or something. I enjoy solving problems, but it's sometimes it is beyond you and you do have to call a professional. Yeah. Which is probably the point that irritates people because I'll quite happily ask somebody else to do something for me. I'm happy to pay them. That's never been a problem for me because I recognize that they'll do a better job than I would and they're going to get it right. It's worth and the money. It's, it's worth the money. It's worth the investment in it. As opposed to me doing it, which would probably involve a load of water splashing all over my bathroom, if I had one. You see what I mean? Like, yeah. See, the thing... I Because I've worked with tradespeople, and my dad is one. And I kind of am, because I'm um, a technician, and I fix mm. things. The fact the sheer fact that you've noticed that it's like it's worth the investment of the money to have someone do it who's going to do it faster and more efficiently and right the first time is worth Mm. it that is so fully it that is uh less common in our society nowadays a lot of the time is like somebody uh, walks up to you they say i want you to do, uh, do this you say all right you do it you tell them how much uh, or you tell them how much it is, they say, okay, and then they complain about the price after seeing you do it. It's like, all you did was undo some screws, uh, do that, and put the new screen on. Like, why and am I going to pay that point, you, you just say money to, for that? At that point, the tradesperson probably very rightly say something to the effect of, 
would you have known which screws to use, which screwdriver to use? Would you have known that this is a particularly problematic radiator because it can leak? That's also they're also trying to rationally explain it. It's like, and they say, and they're going like the way I think of it is, um, a put uh, is an analogy I heard online once. It's like, why are you gonna? Why am I gonna pay you for something that took you five minutes to do? And you say you're not paying me for something that took five minutes to do. You're paying me because it only took me five minutes. Like, what? And it's like how it would have taken you two weeks to get the equipment, learn how to do it, and do this. It took me five minutes because I've already done all that. You're not paying for me. You're paying for my expertise and my equipment. You're paying for the thing getting done faster, better, and more efficiently. Exactly. You're paying for the problem being solved in the, the most cost-effective manner. Yeah. What do you say cost-effective? Time-effective. Yeah, uh, realistically, anyone can learn any skill. Absolutely. Unless they're really stupid. Actually, I would I would say there is a caveat to that. It's not just if they're particularly stupid. It's also the fact that there are certain things that are denied people. Like access I mean, to information? Hmm? Like access to information, for example? Possibly access to information, but in my case, it's things like I can't drive. I couldn't be a truck driver. But that's for medical reasons. That's not something that Fair I myself like physical could control. Ability. It's a physical thing. Or in this case, it's medical. But the point is... Hmm. <laughs> what I'm getting at is there are there's more than one caveat to why somebody couldn't do a specific job. But for the most part, if it's publicly available on YouTube and hmm. you have the desire to learn a skill... You can. Then you would probably... You can, yes. So something like if I wanted to learn how to use cool, which I have to for the compilers module at university, this is great fun. What is cool? Don't don't do don't, it's, it's 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 fair enough. It stands for compiled object oriented language. Okay. It is the only language that has more compilers written for it than programs written in the language because it's designed to teach people how to write a compiler, which is reasonable. Um, <laughs> it it makes sense, but it's kind of fiddly to use. I've managed to get most of it done within the first two days though, because I kind of understand how it works now, or I've just gotten lucky with the statements. To be honest, I feel like that's mostly what we do as programmers. We get lucky with the stuff we try and eventually something works and falls out well. Yeah, like which is... don't tell anybody, but like every programmer has no <laughs> idea what we're doing. We're literally just Absolutely. keyboards and we run a million programs and the one that does the thing that we want we keep that one it's like they're like pokemon we gotta Kinda. We, we catch them all Kinda, but they don't them evolve going. very much as you know they do with git git is good git is git good. good scrub git is good Git is good um uh, to be honest most of our job is googling stuff yeah it is and learning from people more experienced than we are to solve a problem, mm. which, <laughs> I mean, I, I just find the analogy funny. Like a doctor gets paid a similar amount to a top tier software developer, probably earns a similar amount to a doctor, but the doctor has way more training, um, way more training, way more stress and way less free time. A developer, not really. You can quite happily go home at 5 p.m. <laughs> and if you don't want to do overtime, most of the time, you don't need to do the overtime. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? We've picked an industry for where, by and large, 
you can set your own schedule as long as you meet the requirements they ask of you. Most tech places for years have been doing flexi time, you know, working from home sort of stuff, yeah. especially even more after Corona. The point is, the industry that we work in is ideal for me because I don't have to worry so much about the money and I can focus more on the time. It's one of those careers that people don't really tell you that sort of stuff about. And perhaps they should, but at the same time, it would mean that we'd be oversaturated with people in the industry anyway. Yeah. There is also an argument that some people would, that only a few people would actually be able to make a career out of it. I don't know how much how true that is. And the quality of the career would be less because if ever if everyone can do a skill then no one's going people are a lot less likely to pay for it. Anyone can learn to program. I think you'd agree with that aspect at least. Yeah, basically. I mean And yet we're uh, one of the again, highest unless you don't have hands, but there are ways around that or Face bash really yes. bash your face into the keyboard. Really stupid. Like there's there are like the US military, there are uh, deemed that there are people below an IQ of ninety cannot be taught to do anything which isn't ultimately not efficient for you to teach them that. It's like I you uh, anyone below the IQ of of uh, ninety supposedly they're like can't process information well enough or learn things well enough where they're able to do anything and so other than even like uh, mopping a floor the idea is like if you train somebody to mop a floor well that's fine but you only need to mop a floor so many times and they're likely to get distracted and do something which is destructive outside of the time that they have to mop the floor yeah but then again i think this i feel like i need a lot more explanation of things than perhaps some of my peers do for the same thing but you're said... not overly stupid like you don't you have the ability to retain information and learn concepts yeah but it does make me wonder i don't I think my placement year really drove this home. I'm not nearly as intelligent as I thought I was. Hmm. And that's okay. Because it just means that there's a lot more to learn. And to be honest, learning's kind of fun in its own way. Hmm. As long as there's as long as there's something I can accomplish every day, have a sense of satisfaction from having done something that I deem useful and something that I can count as a win for myself, I would say that that's been a good day. And software doesn't do that on I its have own. An iPhone gaming for me after work does because you know this with software you'll spend days on a problem and each day you won't really have made any tangible progress you'll rule things out you might have tried a few things but so far nothing's worked hmm. and then maybe day let's say day four out of the five days that you're at work that week you suddenly have a brainwave and you decide okay yeah let's try that let's see how that pans out and then you have a solution and that's the dopamine rush that's what we're all chasing in the job if anyone tells you otherwise they may not have realized this but it's probably true the reason we keep doing it is because we want that dopamine rush damn it we're drug addicts it's out the natural drug drug addicts which is so it's okay not illegal it's good yeah um and it's healthy 
kind of. The only drug I like is learning. That's a Sheldon Cooper quote, isn't it? It might be. Yeah, I think it. it I think it's close to one. It's probably a paraphrasing of something he said. Hmm. The irony is, when I was younger, he used to be my. He used to sort of represent what I aspired to be. And then as I got older, I realized how irritating he is, even to me. And then I thought, ah. Well, that's good. Have because, I been... like, you you said, I want to be that guy. And then you surpassed him in terms of social abilities. I wouldn't go so far as surpassed. Maybe... You noticed how annoying he is. That's more than Sheldon ever did. I, I recognize that, yes. But it's also yeah. the fact... I, I probably do still come across as a little bit condescending. Not deliberately, but it does come across. I try not to let it so much, but I mean, your the... industry really does humble you. There was a guy in our AI lab, and he said, and I kind of got like, a, like, huh? It drew, threw me back. It's like, he said, great, we've got Alex and Fabio in the same lab. And I took it as Wait, like... I did not notice this message. I, I saw it, and I'm like, fuck you and i'm like i was like why are you like why are you going like this because like last semester i didn't show up for any of the lectures i just watched them later mm. and i was like why the hell is he pissed off for me i haven't done anything and then he said underneath it is like this course is gonna be easy and i'm like oh okay all right i see you i see you and i like i've noticed how you've become the me in the group chat in the CS group chat, you've just been like going around helping people, answering questions a lot, which was me last year. I find that explaining it gives me more benefit than it'll probably give them because it organizes my thoughts into a yeah. tangible message. Writing, it does that for me. It's why I write my notes out from the lecture slides and why I hate it, hate, hate, hate the security reading. It takes so long to write the notes out. I, I'm genuinely considering jumping off a bridge as opposed to doing it. But I recognize that it's probably but a good idea. you'd have to write a suicide note, and then that just like, ah! Yeah, yeah. It's just that it takes too long to write the security notes from the mm. textbook. The lecture slides I have no problem with whatsoever. It's the fact that the reading is required, according to the lecturer. So, it is. I don't know. I, I feel like I could get just as much benefit from this course without requiring myself to write the notes from the textbook and just focusing on the lecture notes. And obviously I would read the books. If it says it's recommended read it or required reading, then I will read them because I think it would give me a better indication. And if there is something, this is how I'm going to do it going forward. If there is something that really jumps out at me as being particularly important to note down that isn't in the slides, then I might do it. And the moment I'm There's on 19 so pages of my sentence. for the first lecture slides notes, along with the textbook so far, and I've only got about halfway through all of the reading from last week. Yes. I'm not happy. It's doing my head in, so I'm probably not going to do it. That's the other thing. Me from last year would have just brilliant all this. Me this year, nah, I, I'm not about this. But I also want to get a good grade, so Nerd. I don't know what I'm at a dilemma. Oh, thanks. You're welcome.
Like anybody who isn't who isn't who's on this course is not a nerd. Come on, computer science. I mean, just because you're a CS doesn't make you a nerd. Like me. Really? Actually, no. I'm a nerd. Yeah. But just not a CS nerd. Nerd. I'm no, no. I'm not a computer science nerd. I'm a comic book nerd. I'm a DC and Marvel nerd. I'm, I'm probably a, a gaming nerd. I'm definitely a gaming nerd. But I'm not a nerd on, like. <laughs> CS. I just re- I just saw the the viewing of myself and I realized I look like I'm in a green screen, even though this is real. Like I can touch the shit. I uh, sorry. I, I've got the little playback of the stream in the corner just to like check my sound levels, and mm. I'm like constantly looking at it to see if I'm peaking. So I'm, like I need to adjust it. I'm probably peaking a lot of the time. Oh, I'm, I'm I controlling shout. it. It's fine. Okay. But yeah, all of this is just a way of saying that. Is there a point to. Okay. Something that I've been realizing more and more. If I had an ideal job, it would be a job that I didn't have that I could just play video games all day because I truly enjoy that and I would ideally like to spend my days doing that most of the time but it's not feasible and I wish it were but it's not so the next best thing would be to do something that's coding related that gets me money software developer sounds reasonable and play video games in the evening I might even start doing a trip stream maybe I keep saying I'll we'll do it but I never get around to it we'll support it bro I know. I don't even need people to... It would be nice if people watch, but it's more so just... If people actually care enough to, then that's nice. They don't even need to donate or anything, because... I mean, realistically, I'd have, sta- I'd have a stable income at that point. So, what would be the... It, it doesn't... It's kind of like throwing water into a lake at that point. Actually, no, but that's kind of the wrong image. Um, it's kind of like... It's kind of like putting water into a bucket that's already full. It doesn't do much. I say a bucket because I'm nowhere near that wealthy. I have a fair amount, but most of it will be spent on a house and mortgage, so I mean, it won't be that that for long. <laughs> throwing a gla- throwing a bucket into a lake, throwing a bucket of water into a lake. That was like pretty poignant. At the same time. A lake is not comparable to my accumulated bank amount. It's way yeah, less than but a lake. It's it's just an analogy. Yeah. Like yeah, okay, fine. It's still an analogy. But some people take that as a symbolic thing of a lake is bigger than is significantly bigger than the bucket. Yeah, Never but mind. stop okay. lake measuring. Yeah. My point is I would do it just because I enjoy doing it, and I might as well kill two birds with one stone, which is... I've often thought about Let's Playing, but YouTube is not the space it once was for that, and it's it's a bit more challenging to do that. Yeah, but just because something's challenging doesn't mean you don't want to do it. No, I, I appreciate that, and you're right. In a lot of cases, I probably would, but... It's the fact that you have to devote so much time to it. Whereas the way I would ideally do it is I would play video games and happen to be recording them, if that makes any sense, as opposed yeah. to 
putting the time in because I might do eventually if I got enough people who actually would be interested in that but to start with probably not just because at that point it's it's a lot of investment for not much of a payoff whereas doing it this way or the way I'm suggesting it doesn't require any upfront investment other than a microphone which is easily 60 allowed for a decent setup hmm? 60 pounds for a deep like because i've got a i bought a amazon prepay mic as well as the stand set and then i got a cable and a audio interface and i plugged that to my computer and my audio equipment is worth 60 pounds and i sound pretty fucking good yeah it's like the other thing would be video the other thing would be how i'd actually record the um game actually i think twitch does that natively doesn't it uh, there's a feature, but like OBS is kind of the best thing. Mm. Gives you more flexibility. If I was so inclined, I could probably look up a YouTube tutorial on how to set everything up. But dude, maybe it's up. not there. I don't know. I've already done it everything. Be. Just call me up. I'll do it for you. And Bear in mind, I'd be gaming on a console as opposed to on PC, which probably makes it more difficult, doesn't it? Uh, that's a screen capture system. So you'd have to connect the OBS. You'd have to connect your Xbox or whatever to a computer, and then send. My laptop would probably Or work. you would just download an extension on your, on your um, console. But you might get a bit of um, frame drop. Hmm. The computer might be the easier option. Anyway, I'd happily do it. It's just one of those things of I wouldn't know where to start. So I would look for information. It's kind of how I live my life now, isn't it? Now that I think about it. We are. Researching. I don't know something. I just ask somebody. Not the internet, but usually someone who I trust who might be able to give me a starting point. I mean, that is how the hardest part of code. The hardest part of debugging is finding where to go in for your entry point. <laughs> Once you find where the bugs actually occurring, you can fairly easily find what's going wrong, that's... and then it's just a case of figuring out how to fix it. I guess that's why people say respect your elders. Because the elders represent people who know th- who have survived longer than you, and so like if you don't respect your elders, they won't tell you information that uh, might save your life. I think that's the more primitive version, but yes, I think that it's but that's still, still co- true. encoded in us. Yeah. What about you, man? How you been doing like in your life, socially? Lockdowns have been rough. Haven't seen Aaron as much as I'd like to. Mm. Besides that, slowly losing my sanity due to trying to juggle all of the modules last semester. And I'm probably going to have a similar experience this semester unless I actively try and avoid it. Mm. But if I know there's a job waiting for me at the other end, it'll alleviate a lot of the stress because then I can probably do my best work. I don't function well under high stre- in a high-stress environment. Hmm. A chilled environment, I feel like, brings out the best qualities I have. So that would be a good place to work. Fair Thankfully, enough. the company I'm looking at seems to have that, which is good. Hmm. What about you? Uh, just moving slowly, man. It just kind of feels...
like I've got a lot of stuff I'm doing but I feel like it's a lot of a substitution a lot of it is just a substitution for what I prefer to be doing like you I talked to you when I was in the relationship and I was really into this girl and now I am not dating her and so it's like I, I know I sound like a massive simp right now but it's just like I'm not dating her I so I'm not as happy because one thing happened and I was happy for a while and now that thing's gone away and I realized mm. from that that a lot of my life I've not been happy because and I was gonna mention this earlier but it's like it's out you seem to have like an end goal in place where it's like you want a house so you can live there enjoy that for me a house doesn't represent somewhere you live it represents an asset on my books where I'm like, okay, this has this much earning potential. I can do this with it. I can do this with it. I can do this with it. Like, I'm so... My brain is so distanced from that. But... Mm-hmm. With whole... Oh. Um, with the girl... I kind of, like... I slowed down for a minute. And I started, like, taking my time. Which is the first time I've done that, really, ever in a relationship. Because most of the time when... Uh, when I'm dating it's like either the girl asks me or I ask her out because she's hinting very heavily that I should do that if, which is like I don't count that as a, me asking them out and so because of that I'm always kind of like have an expectation in the relationship and so I'm like, well, I know this is probably going to end at some point. And if it doesn't, then that's good. But I'm still going to continue being me. And mm-hmm. this time around, I was just like, yeah, I I asked the girl out because I would regret it if I didn't. And it's rare you find that sort of stuff, I find. I mean... Yeah. I'm lucky I found the person I did because honestly, that was one of the worrying things I had. One, it slows you down, doesn't things. it? It, it kind of makes you take stock of your life. Where you're just like, huh. Like, I remember when you two were first like dating and stuff, like, you came to me and you were like, you're asking me questions which you don't typically ask and I'm like, "Oh. Look at him. He's self-conscious." I hid it well for a while. Yeah. We're all of us self-conscious, man. I, genuinely, the people who are the most confident and self-assured are often the ones who just don't really know how else to express themselves. I mean, I used to be very self-assured. Hmm. Then my placement year happened. 
overall, I think the experience was positive because it showed me that I wasn't nearly at the level I thought I was, but I would argue it's probably made me a better person as a result because it's made me more appreciative of the areas I'm lacking in and the ways I could improve. And it's kind of given me a drive to improve in those areas, but not at the pace that they were suggesting. At the pace I would prefer, which is just, I have time. I might as well work on things at a steady pace as opposed to trying to do everything at once. It's the way I've always been. I try to spread stress out by effectively keeping, chipping away at stuff day after day, you know, chipping away here, an achievement on a particularly irritating game here, you know, chip away at that day by day, slow, small progress eventually leads to a final reward. It's just, that's how I see my life, really. Maybe, and I wonder whether it's a bit dull and a bit monotonous. My life is predictable. I'm wondering whether I like it that way or not. On the one hand, I feel like predictable is good because it's easy to it's easy to know what happens next, and you're always sort of relatively sure of what direction you're going in. Hmm. It kind of lacks that excitement, you know, that notion of doing something crazy that's not what you would normally do, way outside something way outside your comfort zone, like going skydiving. Never been skydiving, never really wanted to go skydiving, but would go skydiving. Hmm. I think the only way that would make sense to do it is I have a wild card day once a month. So something where the day is completely unpredictable. I think that would give me a good hit of out of comfort zone, but also give me some excitement back in my life. You know, maybe I go climb a mountain. Maybe I decide to jump out a sky, jump off a skyscraper, you know, this sort of stuff. Yeah. Always um, in, always in I a like safe how your, environment. All your though. stuff has to do with heights. Hmm? All your, all the, st uh, your wild stuff has to do with heights. The ones I've listed, yes, you're right. Mm. I think on some level, I'm afraid of heights. Maybe, I mean, maybe high, like anything that's high enough should be feared. Like, there are two fears that people are born with. Uh, or develop very early. One of them is falling, and what's the other one? Drowning. Uh, might be drowning. Yeah. Or the dark, actually. I think it might be the dark. Yeah, that makes it. Uh, all this three. Maybe. I think there's a lot of behavior that a lot of humans share. Others. Like, <laughs> like people who are distinctly not in the group. Ah, uh, xenophobia. Ah, uh, xenophobia. It's sadly very common. Uh, there's this, uh, there was this meme, uh, my friend, I'm gonna pull it up. Um, it's like... Oh, I really hope I find it, because it was fucking brilliant. Oh, was there anything you wanted to talk about, by the way? Uh, no, not in particular. Just enjoying a conversation because it's been a while since we had a chat. Yeah. You're, we always say, like, oh, yeah, we should uh, call more and stuff, but we never... Uh... I think it's the fact that I am um, really bad like at prioritizing work. Like, yeah, it's fucking scary. 
Uh, I'll send it into a meme. Like, I'm... It's a xenomorph. <laughs> I, I get it, yeah. It's clever. Yeah. Any. <sighs> I really need Let's... to get a better work-life balance. <laughs> Yeah. But it's hard when work means the it's final year of uni, and it's hard, and I want it first. Like, I... I was intending to take this day off. I, and I have, fuck, and I'm now sorry. I feel bad about it. Even though I know there's not that much to do, I still feel bad about it. I think that's kind of like a feeling of not fulfilling what you should. Like what your potential is. Like your potential is that you could be spending a hundred percent of your time doing things, but realistically, that shouldn't happen or shouldn't be something that we want to happen anyway. I think it's also the fact that this is one of those moments where, or periods in my life, where things just aren't in my control as much as they normally are. Hmm. That lack of power, that feeling of powerlessness is not something I agree with, or agrees with me rather. Right. I don't want to feel like that. But, so I do as much as I can to keep myself in a feeling, in a situation of control. Okay. I can't lose control. That's the one thing I can't do. Because if that happens, what I don't know. I think that's the problem. I... I have to be in control so that I know the situation. Maybe. I think um I think that's it for the stream today. Uh thanks guys for listening and thank you for the audio people who are listening as well. I'll uh see you guys next time.